This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. There are public blockchains like Bitcoin, Ethereum. There are private blockchains like I cannot give you a single example because private blockchain basically is meaningless. There are a lot of different options of what is private. And I would uh, there is as many options of, of on the scale as uh, as there are private blockchains. Uh, I would like to break it down into three axes, which is why it's a cube. You can be private in who can bring the consensus forward. You can be private in who can read, and you can be private in who can write as in access, executing transactions. That that gives you um, basically a, a three-dimensional diagram where you can put dots for all the different chains there are, so and sort them by that character characterization, and that makes more sense. Um, and then this this also helps to to, to I mean, you you see a lot of trouble online where people say ah oh, private blockchains are stupid why don't you just use a database, which is true for the private 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 extreme, if it's somewhat very restricted on who can bring the consensus forward, who can write and who can read, just use a database. But there are other combinations for which um, it can make sense to have a blockchain that are somewhat still on this cube of uh, characterizations. So let's talk about those three points, what they mean and for whom they might be interesting. Uh, who can bring consensus forward for Bitcoin? That's whoever. You just have to mine. For um, some proof-of-stake blockchains, that's um, those people with a stake. Um, for some consortia like Cardano, that's only a certain set of people. No, sorry, Corda, not Cardano. Cardano is proof-of-stake. Um, sorry? like EOS, very much of this type, um, where only a consortium of 23 people can bring this forward. Um, what are benefits and drawbacks? Uh, benefits of, of being on the public side is obviously permissionless. Uh, if, if there are 23 people who can bring the consensus forward, that easily leads to something like um, changes in the protocol on what is being considered valid, even though we, we will come back to that later. But at least to, to some further restrictions among that which is valid, right? So censoring funds is, for example, something which is much easier to do in EOS than in Bitcoin. So freezing funds, because you would just have those 23 people or a majority of those 23 entities agree that those funds should be frozen and they would just ignore any change, any chain that... Um, that, that, that would or any uh, any suggestion by the others that would try to move those funds and, and you're done. With Bitcoin the same is true. If 51% of miners of hash rate decide that you want to freeze, that you want to censor any block that includes a transaction paying from a certain um, address, that's very possible as well. But getting 51% in a permissionless system, so in, in something where you do not even know who the miners are, or where everybody could become a miner is a much harder task than getting 51% in a, in a permission system where you know those people. Okay, 
what are the benefits of being poisy? You look very, very irritated. Um, I am not thinking, but, but living if I'm leaving Bitcoin, 51% of miners decide not to include one address in the block, and you temporarily block that address. Yes. But this doesn't mean that this is another, well, for a short term, it might be deciding that the block that 49% create is just overtaken by the majority. Yeah. But at some point, it must be continuant um, 51%. Yes. Because in the history, the address still exists. Yes. If at some point somebody decides to include an address again, then, then he could still be, be get a slap on the wrist by 51% of miners that don't include this block. But but yeah, it's only valid as long as 51% follow it. Continuously follow it. Continuously that. follow it. Which is why why it's it's close to impossible to do that in Bitcoin. But it, why it's, it's it's rather easy to do that in a uh, if you if you have a permission if you need permission in order to bring the chain forward, like in EOS. Um, then, then it's much much easier to do that. So um, there are, of course, uh, from the fundamentalists, uh, you, they are very much on the side of, of having that permissionless. But uh, regulatory compliance is much easier to do if it's uh, if getting the consensus forward is permissioned. Um, benefits of having that permissioned that particular axis of the cube. Uh, of course, include uh, that it's much, much less likely that you get a chain split. Right? If, if you know these 23, um, if there is somewhat disagreement, you can just get the 23 on a, on a call and, and have the problems solved. Like it literally happened in EOS within the first week, I think, of, of the mainnet being live. Um, there was just some, some bug, I did not even follow that story, but uh, they got just got the 23 entities on the phone call and settled it and it was up and running again rather quickly which would have um, resulted in a chain split in in a permissionless system um, and have not having chain splits is something which is beneficial to the chain as it is if bitcoin has continuously chain splits that's bad that reduces the price that creates fear uncertainty doubt that is uh, you have the two tokens that have, might have different value, trade against each other, that kind of stuff. But in a chain where where the main um, uh, where the main reason of the tokens is not the intrinsic native value of that of that, uh, I'm breaking my own nomenclature already that I, that I established some last week, uh, where I try to use token for something that represents an out out of chain value and thought native asset something which is on chain so um, in bitcoin you would just have different prices for the different things but if your chain is mostly representing outside stuff then you have a much more severe problem with chain with chain splits right if you if you have a token that represents ownership of a car um, and you split that then you do not have like less value on one asset than on the other but you have somewhat two claims to the same underlying out of chain asset so for for those for um for, for chains that are mostly used for tokens for tokenization chain splits are much much more severe than for chains with native assets so if you do tokenization 
um, the, the relevance of not having chain splits might actually be greater than the relevance of being permissionless. So for tokenization chains, I'm, I'm very much open to have um, to have a, um, a, a permissioned consensus. Uh, maybe in that regard, one further example of a permissioned consensus chain is Liquid, which is a side chain to Bitcoin, which is federated in that uh, a number of, of stakeholders, I don't know how many, but it's mostly exchanges and prominent um, companies in the space, uh, drive the consensus forward. But it's open uh, for, for reading and open for writing. Okay, next things. Open for writing. Why would you need to be open for writing versus permissioned for writing? Any ideas? So now we, we tackle the um, driving driving consensus forward axis of the cube. Now I want to talk about the writing to the chain axis of the cube. Why would it be important um, to be allowed to have it permissionless versus permissioned to be allowed to write to that chain? For second parties, like let's say an auditor to only look and not Okay, now you are on the benefits of having that open. No, no, well, that's actually an argument for the readability, not for the writability. <coughs> you are you're run one yes. step ahead already. So, if you are not able to write to a chain, then you are literally not able to have any um, possession on that chain. Right. If, you, if you cannot write to the chain, then you are not the one who can uh, change ownership of something on the chain, which in terms of blockchain means you cannot own anything on the chain. Right. So if you need permission now to, to participate in this, uh, then this is, this is kind, of, kind of mafia. <laughs> you, you need to, to, to play along with these stakeholders in order to do that. And there are valid use cases for that. Look at SDX again. Uh, they want security dealers to, uh, or the, the connected security dealers to, to be able to, to write to that chain. They don't want private individuals to be able to write to that chain. It's totally valid. Um, there are different choices again. SDX um, is, is, is there on the permissioned writing, while Liquid is on the, um, on the permissionless writing. Right. Uh, what other chains are there that, that might be interesting on this axis? Maybe coming to this if I'm completely off the, off the track. I think uh, the kind of different allows to give you transparency uh, at the same time to control who really can do something, mm -hmm. uh, which I say in certain circumstances makes a lot of sense. Yes, yes, we will come to the transparency point when it is about reading, about mm -hmm. permission lists where this, where this permissioned reading. Um, of the chain, but but um, and and there are. I mean, I'm on this cube, I'm very open to to having for different use cases different chains. Maybe let's also take the third one because it comes up over and over. Reading um, that that you can read is very much important for uh, for ver validating, so that you yourself as an as an individual or as the entity that participates in whatever um, can 
uh, can validate that that the rules have been followed. Right? You, you cannot bring the consensus forward, but you can check that the consensus was being held. For example, that there was nothing created out of thin air, which should not have been able, possible to create out of thin air, um, that any transfer of assets uh, was being done by following the chain. Uh, you can see your own balances. So, so you can see balances that are corresponding to, to a particular address, which you might consider your own um, or not. Um, so being available for reading is, uh, is very much a transparency thing and a validation thing. Um, while being permissioned for, for writing is very much an exclusion thing and participation of the process. So if you look at, at what at Corda, at what SDX is doing, they aim for permissioned, permissioned, permissioned. Right? But it's still, it's still, I mean, this is why I said it's, it's Q. It's, they are not, um, it's not a binary yes or no. They are aiming for very few can bring the consensus forward, but every attached securities dealers or bank or whatever um, can, can own something on the chain, can write to the chain, can make transfers on the chain, and everybody who is of that same group can verify that, that everything has been followed. Maybe in addition to, add to that, you can add auditors that can see that everything has been followed, but it's, it's, a, it's just a, a small, small group of, of entities. It's not that everybody at home can just decide, I want to verify this now. That's not how it works. And you would still, if, if, you, um, if, if, if you are a client of UBS and UBS participates in SDX and UBS tells you, hey, uh, you own a Nestle share that's being traded on, on SDX, you still have to believe uh, UBS. Right? You, UBS can verify that you own it or that they own it on your behalf. You cannot verify that. But that's a valid use case. Again, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just um, just stating the, the potential there. Um, while, for example, Liquid is, um, is, is just permissioned in who can bring the consensus forward, but is totally open for writing, totally open for reading. This totally open for writing is, of course, somewhat not entirely true, right? Because uh, we, to be touched on this in the beginning, and uh, jumping a bit, should have structured this more, right? jumping a bit, because um, being totally open for writing while being permissioned for bringing the consensus forward does not really work. Because the, 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 the consensus writing, the consensus people could always just censor you. We, we discussed this before. Hmm? The consensus um, writing parties can censor your funds can censor the one who's trying to, to write. But in principle, um, uh, Liquid is intended as permission consents, public writing, public reading. And the, re the, the way that they tackle this, so that they want to prevent the consensus parties from, uh, from censoring somebody is by, by rather severe um, uh, anonymization and confidentiality so that the consensus writing parties do not even necessarily know what they are currently um, approving or getting into the consensus. So um, 
So Bitcoin is very open, very open, very open. Ethereum is very open, very open, very open. So they are on this cube at the origin of the cube. Um, Ethereum modern testnet is um, permissioned consents uh, is is open for writing and open for reading. Um, of that type is also liquid, of that type is also EOS. Um, SDX is permissioned writing, um, permissioned, so permissioned consent, permissioned writing and permissioned reading, but with different size of, of number of people who can do that. Okay, um, maybe, maybe one I, I did uh, put it simple in the in the invitation to this session saying that it's a cube. It's not actually a cube because I would argue that if you cannot read then it's also not possible to write. You would not know what to write. <laughs> right. and, and also there if you cannot read and write then you can also not bring the consents forward. So it's not actually a cube, it's a simplex. Um, but that's geometry. You can skip that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, a simplex. It's um, uh, it's a it's a cut cube. It's cut it's just a a, a, a line pyramid. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but it's not a pyramid standing on the ground, but pyramid somewhat lying in the origin of the cube. It's, it's a bit weird, but just Google it. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So uh, this is basically the main message of today. We can now start comparing different chains and start characterizing them. But, but basically the take home message, and I would even be, be very open to the finishing now after 18 minutes and not go into more details. The take home message is if somebody asks, oh, is this a private or a public blockchain? That's too simple, right? There are at least three X's and they are very important to distinguish. There are different use cases for the different different points on this simplex. But in your opinion, a private company that was looking to use some sort of blockchain in their company to improve efficiency, but a completely mm -hmm. controlled private situation, where along the axes would, could they consider being relevant for their business? Uh, the database point. Yeah, but... Is there not, is there, wouldn't there not be a blockchain solution that would still be good for a multinational company that still wants well, to interact with other companies? Let, let's widen it a tiny bit. Right? The, um, because if you do it really within one company, I'm not entirely sure how much distrust there is between different divisions. No, surprisingly not. But let's, let's take the, this, this very famous and very popular example for blockchain applications, the trade finance where you have a small number of, of entities that, that want to somewhat um, come to, to, to a joint view of something, uh, while at the same time uh, they are aiming to be as, as permissioned as possible on the readability. Right? They, they do not want um, uh, another company beyond the three that are somewhat involved to be able to read any of this. So if you are um, as permissioned as possible on the readability, necessarily, because it's simplex and not actually a cube, uh, you can also only have um, 
at, at, at most the same the, the same entities for for um, writing. Uh, and you probably need a very, very small number of people who, who can bring the consensus forward. If you have a very small number of people who bring, can bring the consensus forward, then you're actually running into different problems. Um, because it's, it's rather simple then to create, to, to create on purpose a chain split and just undo something that was true before. Since everybody who can read can also validate, it might be possible for them to prove that somebody meddled with the consensus protocol, but that, that's not a different story. So, um, if you want to, to most uh, answers, if you want to limit the readability, that automatically limits, limits the writability and consent um, to a very small amount of, of people and systems that, that um, allow coming to a consensus about a set of data um, in, a, in a very limited setup um, have been known since the 80s. Uh, Paxos is an example of that, um, which, which predates blockchain by a lot and is within a small number of entities, um, a very valid uh, Byzantine fault-tolerant system. Right. It's, it's just, yeah. That's, that's basically all I have to say about this. Um, if you really want to use, and this is what we see a lot in the market, you want to use a public blockchain for that, uh, but you still want to reduce readability, then you have to try to do that by some sort of, uh, of encryption. But putting encrypted data onto the blockchain is not actually a good idea because it has horrible forward secrecy. If at some point, 10 years down the line, somebody finds the hard disk uh, on, on the um, on the landfill where you where you have the the key um, that did the no, that is used for this encryption um, then, then then just 10 years down the line somebody might be able to get the data or if, if somebody just breaks that encryption algorithm it's um, it's someone very wanting to reduce readability immediately leads to don't use a blockchain. And I think readability should be as wide as possible to make validability, validability, validity, validability, validity, it's a nice word, uh, to make validability um, as, as wide as possible. That's not the promise of blockchains. You can verify, don't trust, verify. Um, I'm fine with restricting consents, getting consents forward. And, um, I'm still waiting for a chain which um, which has very few people getting the consents forward, uh, a rather limited amount of people, say all banks in Switzerland, to be able to write to that blockchain. So having six as of the infrastructure, the financial market infrastructure provider in Switzerland get the consents forward, having all the banks being able to write to that blockchain, but having everybody and their grandmother at home be able to validate that nobody cheated. <coughs> Right, that, that would be my dream blockchain, basically, I'm, um, uh, which would be very efficient, no, no mining required, no waste of electricity, um, but you still can somewhat verify that, that, that everybody adhered to the rules. But nobody's working on anything of that type, as, I, as far as I can tell. Why could I not solve that problem? Let, let me maybe, oh, sorry, before, I, before I'm on record with something that I didn't intend to say as, as that, this only works in a country as stable as Switzerland. Right? 
this is um, so it's it's not my my ideal solution for a blockchain that spans the world but it might be something rather something very reasonable for a local and rather trusted financial market infrastructure as Switzerland. Yeah. Why would I not be able to solve that problem with a SQL database? Uh, you might because, be. Because I can restrict access in writing yeah. to certain parties. This process can be overlooked by one admin, let's say, and I can make it to just publish that online Yes, but you would have to make it uh, transactional and journaled. So, as in, uh, I do not only want to validate current status, but um, historically that everything was done correctly. Um, and at that point, you are essentially a blockchain. It's not signed. Well, it is signed. Uh, the individual transactions are being signed by the banks. <laughs> And the, I agree that this is now the current state of things, is signed every few minutes by financial market infrastructure provider. So problem there would really just be um, if somebody goes and extorts the financial market infrastructure provider to, to now, uh, even though he signed already something, go back in history and sign something else. But if you, if you take the validability um, serious, uh, this might be possible to do, but it would also be possible to see that this has been done and would generate the outcry in, in, the, in the NZZ. Well, in a database that would not be possible. In a database that would not be possible. No. So, do I well, get Or rather it would be possible if you make it journaled as in every transaction in the database can be verified. Or can be, be, be um, uh, uh, yeah, but but that that's then somewhat essentially the yeah, yeah. Do I get your thoughts it right that you think there is there are not a lot of use cases for blockchains in in society or in the industry because most of it can be solved. But if not, if not blockchain, you can still bring distributed ledgers to them, which they're still behind with, mm -hmm. even if you don't present it as a blockchain. And what's the difference between a blockchain and a distributed ledger? It's not append only. Oh yeah, but, but distributed databases are a thing also since the 80s, or 90s maybe. Yeah, but it's not being applied very well by international companies at the moment. I mean, it's, it's what is it? Um, the, Distributed hash tables, DHTs, is a thing since the 90s. And it's, it's also used since the 90s. It's distributed hash, hash tables. That's uh, something like a, like a distributed database, in a sense, um, which does not have the integrity promises um, of a blockchain, but, is, but is essentially gives distributed access to the same data. That's something which is around for a long time. But you need a gold source anyway. So. You need a what? A gold source. So how do you distinguish which one is, uh, is valid? Yes, that's the problem which has been solved by proof of work in a decentralized way, but which could be solved by trust in a financial market infrastructure provider, uh, which is why I say it works as long as you have a trusted financial markets infrastructure provider. So would you like to answer my question? I forgot your question. 
Oh, no, no, no. There are, there are plenty of use cases. Um, there are use cases where uh, validability is a, is, is a topic where, 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 where trust is missing, but not trust in, uh, in inputs, because trust in input cannot be replaced by a smart contract, but trust in the processes. And trust in the processes is somewhat missing in, in, in Venezuela, where people, where the bank just printed more and more money and nobody really knows how much money they printed. What smart contracts do is they, um, they govern what is possible. And if the smart contract says, hey, there is a function called print, which only the central bank can call, then we know this function can be, print, can be called. If we say the smart contract only has the, the function uh, print, but it can only be called once a year and it will just fail on the second attempt to call that function, then this is a promise. This is, this is something that cannot be overcome by the people who validate it all the time. Right? But for that, it's, it's totally fine if only the central bank can write, but everybody will, has to be able to read in order to validate what happened. Are there any further questions, comments? No? It's nearly as complex as Brexit. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by CryptoFinance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch.